This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're going to continue this morning. Maybe you were not here last week or all those people streaming in. There's a lot of students from all over the country that's streaming, streaming in and families. But our topic is growing in grace. So I'm going to jump straight into it. Apparently, I got a compliment last week that I preached very short. Um, so, so I thought, okay, sure, but praise the Lord. Um, it's not that it didn't refer to my length, my physical length, but to the length of this of the sermon because I'm very tall. If you look spiritually at me, you'll see there's um, not a lot of space here, but practically I'm standing on a little box. Um, so. In Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. And so, you know, one of the students asked me, say, oh, hallelujah, I don't need to study because that's earthly things, you know. But that's not what this scripture refers to. It doesn't say like leave your work, leave the stuff we need to do every day. It's not a word for some of us. Uh, but it's talking about a mindset. And um, it says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Set your minds. It's, he's talking about two things you have to align your emotions with eternity and with things, the things of God. And, um, and also your, your, your heart, your heart and your mind, the way you think. Um, you know, we, especially as the church in the West, we're very stuck in, in our culture and, and earthly things. We, we do a, a lot of things that we evaluate our lives by is by the outward. So if we have, uh, if we had a nice week and we did a lot of exciting stuff, then it's been a great week. But um, we evaluate and we sort of measure a lot of things on how we drive or what we drive and what we do and because there's a lot of events happening like sport events we watch tv we watch the u.s open golf or the tennis and then you're either a federer or a, a Djokovic fan or you're not you know but we we so quickly aligned by the entertainment industry and yet we've lost focus on the things of the heart and character and the inward values and so, so in a sense, we have a bit of a corrupt culture. And that's why in Colossians, exactly the same type of mindset, um, the writer writes and he, and he challenges, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ, look at him, think godly things, think biblical things. And um, so that's where we sort of ended last week. We also read a scripture in 2 Peter 3, verse 10 to 18. Um, where Peter warns of the last days, and he says it's going to be terrible days. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses again just to remind us in um, verse 10. But, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? So in this terrible time of the last days, um, he says, what, what should we focus on? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Okay, I'm getting five messages from the front. Thank you, Eugene. 
So, so simply it says like there's going to be terrible days, but let's look forward to, to the day when Christ will come. In verse 17 it says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. So he says, in, in all of this time, as we look forward, as we don't lose our position, he says, you've been forewarned that there's going to be terrible times. Now, that doesn't fit into the modern day prosperity gospel that God is just going to bless you and give you, you know, uh, a house at, in the Maldives and it's going to be fine. He says, no, when the, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief and you need to be prepared. It's like the virgins who had oil in their lamps. And, um, and that's why this time is so important for all of us is that we fill our oils with lamps, that we make sure we're ready, we're forewarned, we're looking towards that, but we, we need to grow in the grace. Je moet groei in die genade and the knowledge of the Lord, in die kennis en in die wete van jou intimiteit met die Heere. And so grace is God's enablement. It's God's ability to, to go where you cannot go in the physical. And I said it last week but um you know we especially as south africans we know how to make a plan we know how to to do stuff and we so easily do stuff in our own strength uh and we try harder and we say yo yo the economy is bad but let's make a plan let's make the best you know i always love it when south africans make jokes you know because it's like a terrible thing that's happened and then the next day there's 10 jokes some was something somebody's going to be witty and do something uh, and send that joke to you know and then we have a good laugh and that's that's so great about our culture but if you come to the things of God you have to realize that there's there's a place where you and I need to surrender and that surrender isn't easy because we try to do stuff in our own strength we try to figure stuff out we try to um, say hey let me have 10 tasks and let me do it right and it's great to do stuff excellently but if you want to tap into the grace of God, you need to be humble. You need to realize that you are broken. And uh, brokenness isn't easy. You know, I remember um, a, a time when, I think it was about 12 or 13 years ago, some students invited me to go and play Laser Quest. Uh, now, Laser Quest is this game where you run around and you sort of like shoot people um, but it's not, you don't really shoot them, you shoot them with laser guns, but now you have this vest that you wear, so some, the one group wears a vest, and it's got red lights on, on the breast, on the vest, and the other one has got green lights on, so you're supposed to, through this game, you have to shoot the other team, my only problem is I was colorblind, and I can't see the difference between red and green, so, I was already uh, 100 points down the drain because I just shot my own people all the time. But um, so, so it wasn't such fun for me. But the problem came, you know, so we had a special that evening. It was a Thursday evening in Cape Town in Pineland somewhere. And so, so they said, no, you don't need to, you can't just play half an hour. We give you two hours. You can play two hours. And so it was wonderful, you know. So we worked leopard crawling and we were rolling around in this laser quest big factory place it was so much fun you know i shot i felt i was in the army in the second world war it was just going i i, I ended up on a minus don't tell anybody else but i ended up in a minus because i shot my own people so much and i couldn't see the colors but the amazing thing was the next day the next day 
was the morning was still all right, but in the afternoon, my legs felt like jelly. My legs felt like um, it's turned into wood. I can't properly use it anymore. So, so the challenge was now I had to like walk up the stairs, but I did it backwards because it's better if you if your legs are very stiff the next day. Just do it backwards, then you you know reverse up and reverse down. You know, but now the problem is you don't want people to see. Because you, you sort of have to try and show, because your ego is still in the place, you have to try and show people that you're still all right, that you're not feeling like you're almost dying. You had so much fun yesterday, but the problem is your legs are not used to that type of stuff, you know. So this is just a warning for those of you who want to play Laser Quest. Don't do it for two hours. Do it for 30 minutes and make sure you're not colorblind. So what am I trying to say? You know, sometimes we embark on this, and then we have the great fun, but we don't realize, hey, you, you actually have to be fit. You actually have to have certain muscles exercised to be able to tap into something, you know, to be able to enjoy something, especially in the long run. And that's why the Christian walk is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not just something we do. It's not just, you know, you, you don't just wake up and then suddenly you, um, you're this hero of the faith. Now you have to learn to grow in grace. You have to learn to grow in your spiritual disciplines. You have to learn to tap into that place. And that's why surrender is so important every day. Consecrating yourself every day to God is so important because it's, it's not a sprint. It's not just, you don't just run onto the field and now you're a springbok. You know, you think like, you know, you can be a spectator, but you can't be a springbok rugby player. Um, by just running onto the field. It's been years of training. You build stuff into yourself. And that's the, that's the walk of grace. And so now I want to jump to 2 Corinthians 11. Because if you read scripture, and this is one of those things that are challenging to us, because we as Christians today, especially in the West, we love to be encouraged all the time. But we don't like conflict. We don't like the tough stuff, you know. But if you're going to read many of Paul's letters, it's all letters of correction. It's all like he's, 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 he's not trying to put icing on stuff. He shoots from the hip. And one of the toughest um, chapters and books is the book of Corinthians. First uh, Corinthians and Second Corinthians. It's actually called the book of correction. It's actually called the book of order. <laughs> and so, so Paul talks about certain stuff and... Um, and what he's doing is, in the beginning, is, is hearing of, of stuff in the first book of 1 Corinthians. He's talking to the church, and he says, like, yo, guys, this is really challenging because I'm hearing all these rumors of the immorality in the church and all the bad stuff that's happening. And so, so there's a massive challenge. And, um, and we jump into the second book today where he sort of brings a lot of correction, but he uses certain terms, and I want to focus on that in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 11. He says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. And this is his heart towards the church. He says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to, a, to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. This is 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 11. 3. Sorry, it says verse 11 at the beginning, but it's verse 3. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent is deceived, Eve, by, by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 
For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you have received a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. So, so Paul writes from this place and he says, look here, I'm very challenged, but I'm, I'm, I've got a godly jealousy for you. And he, and he starts to, to challenge them. And you can almost hear his heart, you know, because he says like, hey, I'm hearing of all the stuff that's happening in the church, all the deception, all the offenses, all the division. And, and he says like, hey, if, if so, you know, there's a, there's a massive challenge. And that challenge, and he writes a lot about it. He writes, a, says there's some false apostles that stands up. There's a lot of other doctrines being preached. He says there's another gospel. There's another spirit. There's another, you know, there's a lot of gospels. If you didn't know that, there is a lot of gospels being preached today. There's a lot of different stuff that is not biblical. And this is the times that we are living in. So that's why you need to learn to discern the word of God. You need to learn to get those spiritual muscles ready. You need to learn to tap into the grace of God. Because especially if you're going to just have internet church, you're going to get into trouble. Because you don't know the fruit of those people whose sermons you are watching. You don't know the relationship and the accountability. And just the other day, you know, I was, um, I googled some of the big preachers in America and I thought like, oh, you know. It's like super rich people. A lot of people are making a lot of money out of the gospel. There's a lot of people that are hirelings. And, the, and Jesus said, hey, there's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. There's going to be hirelings. And then there's going to be true shepherds. Yeah? And Jesus said, he's the main shepherd. And so this is the time that we're living in. And so it's almost like, remember that Colossian scripture, set your mind on things above. He says in the Peter scripture says, hey, you know, you have been forewarned. It's time that you take your position. So we're living in, in a lot of difficult times of great deception, great offense. But Paul writes here and he, and he, and he sort of he encourages but challenges. He says, look here, let your minds not be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Don't, don't let another gospel come in. Don't let another spirit deceive you. There's, um, he talks about those three things. He talks about the gospel that's being preached, the person that comes, the different spirit. He says, hey, because I'm actually afraid that maybe you're going you're gonna to put up with that. But be focused on the simplicity of Christ. And that's, that's sort of something, if there's one thing you can remember as a Christian, is never walk away from the simplicity of Christ. The gospel it can be understood by a five-year-old and by a 99-year-old. The gospel is very simple. The gospel is not complicated. It is costly, yes, but it's not complicated. If somebody wants to complicate the gospel, then hey, say, hey, you're walking away from the life of Christ. And so there's a, there's a lot of intellectualism. There's a lot of stuff that's coming around. And then people are divided are between, are you like a Calvinist? Are you an Armenian or what? What's your doctrine? Just, you know, the other day I had a guy coming to me and say, what's your doctrine? Just tell me what's your doctrine. I say, my doctrine is Christ, you know, <laughs> the simplicity of Christ. And so I, I, I was once very challenged going to, to a, a, a conference in, in the East. And they do stuff a bit different because they say when the conference starts, it's not like, hey, have a quick warm up, three worship songs, and then you have a, a sermon. They say, okay, let's go and pray. So the first session is a prayer session. 
and then um, to prepare yourself for the conference. And the conference then takes about, the prayer session is three and a half hours where everyone that attends the conference prays together for three and a half hours to prepare yourself to receive only that which comes from the Lord, yeah? Um, then I went to the Middle East and the, the topic of the, the conference was is how to embrace um, persecution uh, joyfully um, <clears throat> in Christ, you know? So that's the topic. Is, is like how do you how do you joyfully walk in times of persecution how do you prepare yourself well for persecution i thought like yo if we do that in the west nobody will come you know uh, because there's no coffee there's no there's no nothing you know um but so so it's so it's so important that we that we align ourselves with the church of jesus christ and what is happening in the world and this is what paul is fighting about because these guys were getting complicated. These guys were going all over the show, but they lost the focus of why they are there. Corinthians chapter 12. This is um, five chapters. So just hang on. Hang in there. Um, listen to what he says in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So now he's talking about boasting. He's talking about what do we take our pride in. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast. Now most theologians would tell you that he's actually talking about himself. But he's talking about himself as a third person. He says, like, I know a man who went up into the third heaven, and what he saw there you can't even mention in words. But, but Paul is, has reached such a place in his heart. Listen to this. He says, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. This is verse 6. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yo, this is one of the most challenging parts of Scripture. <laughs> you know? He says, I pleaded with the Lord three times. I prayed, I was blue in the face, and the Lord didn't answer me, except one thing. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for when you are weak, then I will be made strong. And so, so that's so foreign to many of us, because hey, if you just think of, what happened maybe in COVID, you know, um, some bone. And then we have a, a choice whether we are going to harden our, we are the weak ones. And the moment when you know that you're weak, the moment when you are 
if I can say, it's going to sound a bit new age, but in touch with your brokenness, then God's grace will kick in. The moment when you're truly, truly open and honest. And you know, we, we are master pretenders because we, we try to, you know, fake it till we make it. We try to pretend. The, the Afrikaans has got a beautiful word. It says, skein heilig. You know, when we, when we pretend outside the turmoil, and unless you and I as Christians come to the place where we're honest with God and with other people about our weaknesses and our brokenness, we can never tap into the grace. Let you know, otherwise you're going to be like that person who just plays with, and then actually goes on. He says, not just do I become open, I actually begin to take pleasure in my infirmities in my reproach in my needs in my persecution in distress now that's that's completely foreign to me i don't know about you but it's not nice for me when when i'm in distress and i take pleasure in it because hey there is no way possible for you and me in the natural to be able to do that but that is exactly what grace does grace enables you to take pleasure in the toughest times because you begin to realize who God is. Your pleasure is not in your circumstance. Your pleasure is in God. Your hope is in God. Amen? So, so, it, so this, is, this is very encouraging, but it is so challenging <laughs> because there is an ability that God makes for us, and it's not in our own strength. So you, you don't just become honest, that's where you start. But secondly, you begin to take pleasure in it. You begin to boast like Paul, and you say, hey, I, I take pleasure in the fact that, you know, God didn't answer my prayers. Now, we don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. There, people have been writing books about that. Some people said uh, Paul was blind. Some people said he had epilepsy. Some people said it was demonic attacks he couldn't sleep at night there's there's so many things that it could have been we don't know what it is we know god is good and therefore god doesn't you know inflict sickness on us to teach us stuff but sometimes we go through seasons where it seems like god doesn't answer all our prayers and you know then you can decide what are you going to do with that are you going to harden your heart are you going to get bitter are you going to get negative or are you going to learn to tap into the grace of God? And so maybe that's something about your finances. Maybe it's something about your family. Or maybe it's something that you would just wish to be, you know, to be taken away because, hey, we want quick fixes. We want quick stuff to happen in our lives. But, you know, there's some stuff that's going to stay with you. And that can either make you tap into the grace of God, or you become a bitter, negative, or even just a professional Christian. Do you know what is a professional Christian? It's somebody that does all the right stuff because it's become a profession. They know, they know it's right to do it. They know it's right to come to church. They know it's right to read Bible to your children, but your heart has been gone long ago. There's no heart in it anymore. There's no passion. You've lost your hunger for God, you know, because you suit up. You, you like, you're like this professional person on the outside, but inside you've become cold, callous, negative, bitter. And, and when you talk to that person, you realize like, you know, what are you, you, you're just negative. You're just like critical all the time. 
you know, because we've allowed the things on the outside to shape us. And so, so this message is, is a challenging one, but it's an invitation meeting. Now, a group of pastors, you know, they um, can always say like, oh, how many people were at your church on Sunday? How many people do you have? You know, and it's like a, you know, it's almost like a bit of a competition. And so John said, okay, let's go around the table. Now, we didn't know each other. This group of pastors says, let's all go, go around the table and, and tell people what you are really bad at, what you really can't do in the ministry. And so everybody was sitting there and there was this awkward moment of like, uh, <clears throat> um, John, this is not the right question to start a pastor's meeting with, you know. <laughs> Rather start with the attributes of God. What do you like about the attributes of God, you know? <laughs> what, what, what's the nice stuff, you know? <laughs> and so um, that was one of the most profound meetings that I've attended as a group of pastors because eventually, and, I, and this is just between the two of us, if you have not noticed, pastors are really just normal people, <laughs> you know? They're not super spiritual. They're just following God. I mean, they just like, I just sometimes think like, Lord, why did you choose me? There's so many other people that can do it better. Because why? There's grace to do what God has called us to do. You're not supposed to be able to do it in your own strength because you're so great or because you can make a plan or anything like that. Yeah. And so that was such a profound meeting because we, we just grew so much in relationship because we could share weaknesses. We could share the stuff that we were struggling with. So I read an article the other day that says, don't try and be Jesus's PR. You know, don't, you know, that's sometimes why the world doesn't want to come to church because they say the church is hypocritical. The church is like these super Christians and I can never attain to their standards. No, when we say, hey, I will boast in my weaknesses. Now, remember, there's a difference between weakness and sin. Sin needs to be repented of. Weakness is an inbuilt thing that God has placed in your life to be dependent on God and interdependent on the family of God, the church. We need each other. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.